and her homegirl, Rafi, were spotted outside Bella Noches shooting their podcast, Wait, Don't Do It. And it upset me and my homegirl because it's like, damn, if we can't listen to Wait, Don't Do It, where the hell could we go? <laughs> That's an intro, bitch. And guess what we talking about? The ghetto, girl. <laughs> Is this offensive? <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, wait, listen to this podcast because the reason why we're talking about the ghetto is why. Because there are so many white people that use the term, and really they just mean black, or they but, mean uh, urban. But also they make it into a negative connotation. They say that, they say that ghetto is something to be ashamed of, or it's inappropriate, or not professional. And it really represents a place where people come from, and like speaking it in such a derogatory way just incre- uh, like increases someone's anxieties towards their status in life. A bigger reason why we're talking about this is because, A, for me, growing up poor in Connecticut, when I, I lived in New York and then we moved to Connecticut, Greenwich, Connecticut, one of the richest uh, towns, um, and maybe in America, but definitely in New England, um, I moved there and I moved into the projects there. These projects were not ugly because obviously they belonged to a, uh, a really polished area, but... Um, I remember going to school and lying that I did not live in Wilbur Peck because of all the shame that uh, people looked at me with. Like, oh, my God, you live there? And this was a sixth grade. I was in sixth grade when this was going on. So um, I've always, like, again, very, growing up at least, thought about the ghetto or uh, public housing as a negative thing or something dangerous. And I forgot myself that I was part of that. Because you had an incident that happened this week. I did. This, uh, the reason why I'm to bring, I, I emailed, I emailed, you emailed me. <laughs> I decided that we were, I emailed to Nunu back in 2003. <laughs> uh, no, I texted Nunu after an incident at my workplace. I was teaching a class, uh, really, really fun, interactive hit class. And one of the older gentlemen, and when I say older, he was probably in his like late seventies, um, felt the need to give me some constructive criticism or feedback, at least that's what he said, constructive feedback regarding my class. Um, and he said that he much preferred my music that was quote unquote not ghetto rap music about shooting up bars and... Yeah, I, I don't know how some a person could be intimidated by a, a culture's music. That's that, that's, a, that's an interesting concept to even Well, he about. said that um, I played Nobody's Supposed to Be Here in that, in that class, and I also played another song, I forgot what it was, but he said, you should play more songs like that because that's uplifting and the lyrics are, like, positive. Why do we need to be positive, though? I, well, he's, and he also told me that... You um you looked much happier when you were not playing ghetto rap music. You looked much happier. He told yeah. you how you felt yeah. about the music you selected. Even though I clearly remember going off and rapping along with the lyrics. So I don't understand what he was trying to get me to believe. He was just trying to project a lot. Yes. And that's bold. But like even like there's that's just an isolated incident that have incident that happened this week. But I remember when I lived uh, when I moved, first moved to uh, D.C. I lived in uh, College Park and the what people would say about College Park and you know you live yeah in the ghetto. But also my roommates at the time would uh, not invite people over um, to our, our house, and I never understood why because I, even that house was nicer than some of the places I lived in New York. But he was just like, yeah, I'm not bringing them people people over here because it's just not it's not. Like nice, it's, it's ugly, and and so those things really like again. Back then, I internalized it and I was like, "Wow, I I'm 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 not worthy of people in my spaces." Because at the time, I was also starting to work in a very affluent area uh, in the fitness industry, 
And I just didn't feel like I belonged there because of I lived in College Park, and I lived in a place where I saw white people saying, "I don't want to bring people. I don't want to bring people over here." Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I think that, uh, and speaking of gentrification, I think it's very bold for white people to say those things when they live in apartments that are uh, taking the personality and culture out of places, and those buildings that they're living in that are quote unquote luxurious apartments have thinner walls than paper boo. So I really, really. Want to dig into that during this podcast? No, right. I mean, because you know, historically, DC has been mostly black. You know what yeah. I mean? Up in, up until recently, and you know, when you are a part of the city and a part of the culture, you know, a, a simple interaction as like Uber rides. I've been in a lot of Uber rides with natives of DC, and yeah. heck, those conversations like it is changing. It needs to be like this. Yeah, um, it's, it's just so different. You know, there there's areas that are coded. Uh, you know, Northwest is considered the more white yeah. quadrant, pretty much Northeast, and Southeast is considered the ghetto or and, the hood. But it's still become honestly more and more white and gentrified too. But well, across the river is not as much as Navy Yards. Navy Yards has completely changed, yeah. the river, lost all its culture. But I will say that across the bridge, I would live still in Southeast because it literally mimics as like quote unquote. And I and again, I might be underplaying the danger. Or I might be un- uh, under, but I when I was there, what did I feel intimidated? No, did I feel unsafe? No, because like I said, I grew up in those areas, so I know how to act in those areas, and I know that. Um, and I like I said, I feel like I belong mo- more so in those areas than sometimes I do on U Street, and even U Street, which is a hybrid of like white gentrification and the holding on to culture. I still notice white people walking around uh, very uncomfortable around uh, the minority. The, yeah, the the more uh, multicultural areas in. Uh, on U Street, and I, and that's again ultimately why I feel like, yeah, these I, crimes happen because you're making yourself into this person that seems like they don't belong there either. Does that make sense? I just think that um, in DC, especially for mm-hmm. some reason, you know, the first two questions that anyone asks you is where do you live and yeah. what do you do, yeah. because that somehow determines what yeah. kind of person you are, yeah. what quality person you are, whatever. Yeah. Um, so location is so important for, for a lot of these people that live here. And like when I was at Alice Morgan last night, it's just so weird to like, anytime you drive in DC, just especially now, there's literally like one side of the road that's going to be more, uh, used, run down, older, dilapidated, more quote unquote ghetto. And then there's always the, literally the opposite side of the street, which is like white. There are people running their doll, you know, yeah. uh, my favorite people are the, the women with the strollers mm. who just do that all day Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and get Starbucks and yeah. go to classes those are my favorite and go to Lululemon and all those gigs mm. um and it, it's just like a, such a clear divide like as soon as you go to Adams Morgan from again it's only what less than 20 minutes for me it's yeah. just white 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 and white I remember um let's talk about I I feel very uncomfortable inviting white people over to my place right now because oh yeah you had some incidents I've had incidents I've had hookups that have gone wrong where like I said, I live in a, a walk-up apartment off U Street that's, like, not gentrified at all. And my apartment specifically is the oldest apartment in that building. And it's just a run-down girl. And I will say, like I said, I do I like living there? No, it's not the most glamorous place to live. However, it's saving me a lot of money. Um, but I've had people come over and, like, talk about how the fact that I don't have a call box or the fact that I live right next to all, like, the black businesses. Um, this, ha- this, was, this was coming from someone from South Africa. Um, but they were just um, saying how unsafe they felt in my apartment and they wanted to leave. I want to talk about how in Washington, D.C. especially, it's such a, like, it's like basically correlational to have 
um, expensive apartments and whiteness involved in with them because you don't have to make a lot of money to live in these apartments because you have a credit line. You have resources that will help you get to these these nicer apartments. I remember comparing my finances to, with my old roommates back in back in the day when I first moved up here and the things the the financial advice that they would give me is so unnecessary un- unusable for me because I didn't I didn't have a savings account. I didn't have my parents pay for college. So right, I mean, and when people use the term ghetto or mm-hmm. refer to it, you know, it, it's really, and I'm, I'm gonna say this about really any race at this point. Those who use the term ghetto, what I've seen in my experience, or it's, it's really not an understanding of the conditions, like you're saying, like yeah. you know, historically, people of color do not have those savings. You don't have that foundation. There's no college fund. You know, the way the city and our society works, this thing called redlining, the like yeah. you know, they'll put the yeah. areas that are unsafe, deemed ghetto, and those are the areas that they do invest in and that they'll uh, you know, exploit. And so that still happens, so I don't understand why people, people say ghetto but then still have the audacity to say water for Flint. Like it's correlational, boo. Um, I remember watching the Flint documentary and them saying, like, look at all the businesses that we get in the poor areas of Flint, Michigan. We get Booze, we get booze shops and gas stations, and nothing to build the infrastructure, nothing to build the the economy in our areas. Right. So you are therefore not building and investing in these areas, and the only time you do invest in these areas are when white people start moving in. At the end of the day, it feels like we're we're systematically we're being put into these neighborhoods and we're being uh, pushed into these uh, isolated areas. Um, only again, borrowed to on borrowed time until white people need more space for themselves. And and on top of it all off, it's still shameable. It's still um, something to be looked at negatively in society. And so, what the fuck? Where the fuck do we go from there? I also think it's important to address the the ways in which minorities mm-hmm. and people of color, uh, you know, perpetuate uh, the white supremacy and the and this power structure. Um, how many times have you heard your friends, yourself, use the word ghetto? I don't say that. I've stopped. I, 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 that's different for me because I've never. I do. I, I definitely have used the word ghetto, and I don't think I've done it as much as I've gotten older, but I definitely have. I, I do have friends that do it, even even so now. And what does that mean for people of color in perpetuating the idea that there is something different or negative about those people? It, it annoys me to no end because you're uh, like, again, I guess. Uh, as much as I hate when white people say it, when people of color say it, I'm just like, what are you trying to say then? What do you, you're give anything, anything that I want people, people of color to understand that anything that we say, white people run with it as something that makes their experience valid, validating. And we so, really have to make sure that what we're doing towards each other, um, not tolerating everything, but just making sure we're uplifting people. Yeah. You know, making sure that yeah. we are helping our, our, our own at, yeah. the, at the end of the day because that's where the divide is coming. Um, and it kind of goes back to this idea that there really isn't a, a middle class. There's just a, 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 peop, a group of people trying to pretend they're not poor yeah. and do things or to make them feel not, feel not poor because there's clearly a wealth inequality in the world. We all know it. We all know that, you know, we're, the, we're not the 1%. So why aren't we uplifting all of us together since we, majority of us, regardless of race and who you are, are, you know, in that same financial yeah. situation. So that's, that's where I feel like we all need to take a step back and, and look at what we're doing to perpetuate these ideas of inequity in our society. Um, what, what's really, we were talking about, uh, let's talk about this um, 
education scandal because I think that education is something that is also systematically contributing to people. Right, because education, you know, is a gateway to a higher financial yielding. So yeah. if you keep it away from people that need that huge jump in their in their just to be level, does that know, make sense? Right, historically marginalized groups, then um, you are again. Maintaining that that status quo and maintaining that that gap in divide between well, people. They're still like admitting the same uh, upper upper echelon upper echelon rich white people that have the money to go there, have the money to support that infrastructure, um, and they're not opening up to people that really need that jump. Um, but there are so many uh, people in the ghetto or minorities um, in the in these areas that. Um, may not have the access or the social capital to, you know, reach these, these heights and the potential they, they have because, uh, again, we're not investing in the infrastructure. There are no mental health services. There are no tutoring services. There's no resources for families and students um, to grow and build uh, their, 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 their capital here. Well, let's take it back to North Carolina and Durham and Duke. Uh, I remember saying, and you're from Durham, um, and I remember people saying that Durham was built in the ghetto and built in, like, very poor areas. And that's another thing. You're building these – because you, same thing for University of uh, Chicago. These these build, these, these really um, affluent uh, private universities are always built in um, Southside Chicago, Durham. University uh, of Maryland College, Prince George's County, right? Huh? Even University yeah. of Maryland. And, with, and then uh, even uh, even what's the same, uh, what's that, Wake Forest. Yeah. So all these, what, that's another thing. And, can, yeah, from my experience coming from Durham, you know, yeah, it's where Duke University is, you know, go Blue Devils. But you're not UNC. building up the community around it. You're, you're just bringing more. Well, what's interesting about Durham is the history. You know, Durham at one point was considered Black Wall Street. And um, what the whites in power did is they actually built the freeway so that and it used to be such a, a thriving economy and everyone had to go through but then they built the freeway which then diverted the traffic to more white areas um, which left Durham not mm. as economically fluent as it was and there was a there was a stigma for a long time that Durham was really about about crime um, yeah. I, I remember seeing like bumper stickers of people in Durham that said like welcome to Durham city of crime instead of city of medicine when I was younger and something that changed over the time, because Durham is becoming so gentrified, y'all. It's not even funny. I went there recently, and every time I go like to the downtown area, which used to be ghetto, uh, and it used to be scary. Yeah. We used to all have this perception about it. Um, it's so different now. It's, first of all, it's all white, which is so yeah. weird to me, because yeah. I, I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so chic, and they have rooftop bars now, and everything is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But down the street, you know, back in the day, that's where... It would really go down, and that's so wild to me. But also, what's interesting, they moved the news station. They used to have the news station housed in Durham, and they would report so much about what would happen in Durham, and then they moved it to Raleigh, the capital. Then all the crime and stuff that wasn't reported, it's not being reported as much, and that perception of Durham changed. So it's really interesting how uh, media... Um, those who are in power really can right. can, can shape the, shape the narrative of, of what a place is because now it's like a booming metropolis. They have apartments there that yeah are, are comparable to the prices we pay up here, which is crazy because Durham is nowhere near that. Nowhere near okay. that. But I remember <laughs> I remember uh, when I when I was a novice to uh, to North Carolina when I first moved over there, people would say like, oh no, if you want to go to school, don't go anywhere in Durham. Durham because Durham is ghetto. Because go to Raleigh. Go to Raleigh. You're right. Which is crazy because like my experience is like nowhere near that. I've yeah. always been to predominantly black schools. 
but they were magnet programs, charter schools, early colleges. We, we had the first early college high school in North Carolina at North Carolina Central University. Uh-huh. So I, we have Research Triangle Park, which is the one of the biggest research uh, areas on the eastern coast. Like we have so much. So I don't understand why it, it was it was a view of of crime. Like I was like I never experienced that. What we also need to do is stop uh, associating. Black businesses and brown businesses as ghetto as well, or lower, or lower, lower, not uh, quality, not, not quality. Because I remember, I for a brief stint, I tried to teach at a black-owned cycle studio, and it really took me back to reality, and it really made me realize that there was people in that class. But I remember when I was teaching the class, people were making me move the fans for them, and things that that I don't have to do in my 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 job now. I've never right. had to do. And I just noticed how, because they were paying less money and it was a black-owned business, they felt like they, they could do all these extra things with the instructor. That, again, I've never been asked before. I remember I told someone that was working at this um, um, black-owned studio, and they were like, oh, well, that could be your charity work. And Yikes. so, you know, though we really need to start, like, <laughs> the shame needs to be... And we have to start thinking, honestly, as a culture, something I want to address is... Uh, yeah, like you brought up, what's about black home businesses that things are ghetto or, you know, I kind of speak from a black experience, but I know black people say like, oh my gosh, I don't want to deal with this black business because, you know, it's late. They do too much. Yeah. It's never together. And yeah, you know, while those factors may be true, we never stop and think about why. Look, why? At, like, yes. look at the history. <laughs> yes, we do not have all the means to be as efficient as these multi-million dollar uh, white run corporations. Yeah, we do not have the luxury because we don't support each other because historically from slavery, we were taught to hate each other. We were taught yeah. put against each other. So, yeah, we don't have it. Mm-hmm. That's why if we keep supporting it, eventually we will. Because you said there was a, a difference in your experience moving to a uh, going from like probably other like because I, I when I spoke at your Latino probably Latino right. that was heart wrenching to see that school in that quality in that area. yeah and the quality is, is terrible yeah I've worked um since since moving uh, to this area I've worked in schools with higher needs and it is mostly black or Latino yeah um so I have seen schools where there are just mice around because where when- there are no uh, renovations being done where there's an overpopulation the day I went there was no Wi Fi. The Wi-Fi was not working. No order, no air conditioning. No air conditioning. No water. Oh, we didn't have water found that school. In a white school that would never pass. That never. would never fucking pass. And But that's a neighborhood that is considered quote unquote ghetto. It's a neighborhood that as a side commentary that ICE specifically targets. Yeah. And tries to ruin yeah. and run around. Um so we so there's no there's no there's no support. There's like a community center up there, but like so it's, ne- it's hard. Honestly, next time someone says the word ghetto to me, I'm literally going to show them this podcast because this is, a, and I, I hope this sparks a conversation with people um, that uh, have maybe used use this word again. I, we never bring up these topics as an accusatory way or shaming way, but we really want um, to to advocate for a group that's not, for especially for me coming from, I've been through it, I've went through the system, and my experience was never, there were programs that, that tried to make the experience less... Um, Less, I guess, traumatic because it, it wasn't the safest neighborhood I was living in. No, but again, I, there was a summer program that I had the best summer of my life one time in, in, okay. in, in Greenwich and all these things. So, and that's what we we need. We need resources because at the current moment, uh, the people, these kids in the ghetto, you know, really the only there's only a couple ways out. Yeah. And like we saw the school I worked with, it was gang membership. Yeah, 
Um, they try to be a fucking rapper. Yeah. A basketball, football, some athletic star. I mean, those are that's never, the, that's mind, a, ne- never mindfulness. Never, right. Never increasing their their. That is the three ways to to, to get out at this point. Yeah. Um. Because because again, let's be real. Does academia really help me going to school? Um, not having parents for the fund to pay for it, yeah. getting in debt, yeah. having a degree that may or may not cover it. Yeah. It won't. You'll most likely be in debt. So is, is academia worth it? Yeah, it is, obviously, because you get a rich experience. You learn more about the world. But in a practical sense, for uh, people in a lower socioeconomic status, it's, it's not. Honestly and, speaking, I didn't learn how to read <laughs> until second grade. Back right. Because I, I lived in Port Chester, New York. And again, there's Rye Brook. Rye. Which is very wealthy. And then there's Port Chester across the, like, literally across the tracks. And not, I, I remember uh, back in college, I went back to Port Chester and I took a walk in Rye. And I crossed, I went from my sister's apartment mm-hmm. to Rye. And it was a, literally across the tracks. And then I saw multi-million dollar homes that looked like the house off of freaking Twilight Girl. Yeah. And I never even thought that existed near me. Right. But that did exist near me. And I... And like I said, there were private schools around that I never even knew of. But see, but that's what it's saying. Like they, they, they separate us, yeah. and so we don't we don't know the options. Mm-hmm. There, there was kids in the neighborhoods that hadn't been to D.C., haven't even been to University of Maryland, and that is down the street. They don't they don't know what what could be. Yeah, and and I think that is something that when people use the word ghetto or that, and it's using negative sense, that that is a whole group of people, I mean, across America specifically is what we're really referring to, but across the world, there are group areas mm. in the world where people who do not have the means, who are of a certain race, culture, belief, are put in areas that are lesser, and they are made to feel lesser, yeah. and they have a perpetual cycle of poverty and inequality that persists. They're treated lesser, therefore they never will respect themselves to a point where they would want more. And that's because, like I said, I've recently started going to therapy and doing all these things to try to build my self-esteem and my self-confidence up. And it has worked wonders in how I feel about my space. I've accepted more things about my space. I've accepted my means. I've, I've started thinking about ways out of debt and all these things. And I've started thinking about my longevity. But again, that that did not take, na- it didn't come natural. By the way I was treated in, in, my, in my previous experiences, it made me feel like it wasn't worth going for something. It doesn't make you feel motivated to want more. Um, so I will say, like, please, 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 please refrain from using these derogatory, uh, it's not even the ghetto derogatory, but using the word ghetto, ratchet, derogatory race. You can celebrate being from, um, from, from ghetto experiences because it, it does, you build a stronger layer of skin. You do, uh, you do empathize more with people, at least for my, in my experience. Um, and you, you have a street smart that now I feel like I use in my day to day. I feel like I walk down the street, you street and I, and I feel like I'm part of that culture and I'm not this a bougie white consultant that's living off 14th and you, uh, in their rich apartment and they're like holding their bag even closer to themselves when they cross a uh, Shaw. Right. And we just have to be mindful of what, uh, the word means like, mm-hmm. yeah, words have meaning. It's the connotation. If you, no matter what your race is, um, but specifically white because mm. you are the one in power with privilege yeah. and that does hold weight uh, for you uh, when you say ghetto again the connotation is lesser urban yeah. black or latino usually mm. uh, there usually isn't an asian yeah. ghetto as much yeah. um, but there are but that doesn't mean there's not uh, a quote unquote 
discrimination. Yeah. I think when we think about it is that, but I know of many Asian uh, people, California, other places that have been discriminated and they are, again, still put in certain areas and are made to feel lesser. But in America, when we hear the word ghetto, we think black yeah. and then Latino. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So I just that's that that is why we made this episode, and I hope uh, sound off on the on the on, on our comments. Uh, please DM us or let's start a conversation. This is something I really want to start a conversation because I know if these are if I have listeners that are coming from my place of work, I uh, I really want to get into the meat of this because I hear this word way too much. I hear this word. Um, just being thrown around and I hear this word from people that play rap music in their class but still won't go to a uh, primarily black space so ultimately uh, wait don't say ghetto wait don't be problematic just literally be mindful think of what you're saying god damn it it's not that hard it is literally not that hard and that brings us to this episode. I'm like, I'm like, like, I'm so happy we made this episode. I feel like I, I this was a diary entry that I've been meaning to to put in. And thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your girl Nunu Paris. Y soy Rafaela with the chain. And this is wait, don't, don't do, do it. it. See you next time. Adios. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening. We're already at episode three and we are so excited to bring you more content. Make sure to follow at Wait Don't Do It podcast on Instagram and subscribe and rate our podcast on iTunes. And a big shout out and thank you uh, to Jake for editing this as well as the Lothario for our amazing theme song. We'll see you next time, everyone. Bye.